0: Happy Tuesday, Diary listeners. We have another Nicole for you this week. This is actually going to be a two-part diary entry. And we're calling this week... It, it was hard because this one had two really solid names. And uh, I've decided that the first one should uh, should be this, and then uh, you'll, you'll get the hook later. I, I kind of put out a, a little bit of a teaser on our stories on IG so that you could, you know, be intrigued. But we're calling this first part of Nicole DeRoy's Diary Entry, Learning to Walk with Grace in the Journey. So we hope you enjoy and definitely come back next week. I mean it. Welcome to The Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined.
1: Let's be real, we're still working on the
0: <laughs> What it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made.
1: Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Okay. Got it.
0: Awesome wonderful welcome diary listeners i'm here today with nicole DeRoy, which for a minute uh it was delaroy in my phone because i'm an idiot um (laughs) i don't even know how i added more syllables um (laughs) to that she's working today at acme inc in rhode island and um thank you for coming on i really appreciate you yeah i'm super happy to be here yeah man So we met, we met on, uh, through Jason Stapleton and his, uh, community, which isn't a thing anymore, but he's still such a great dude. And anybody that I've met through him has been stellar. So that's why we're before each other. Now, when I saw, I was like, Oh, another tattoo artist. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs)
1: we were two of a kind in that place (laughs) Yes,
0: ma'am yes ma'am and I since I frequent uh Rhode Island I was like oh shit she's in Rhode Island that's awesome you know so I I only just met you we we spent paradise together and paradise uh tattoo gathering uh we just met in the flesh we kind of had been uh remotely chatting for a couple years I think um sounds about right yeah um so this is actually a meet for me as well as much as our listeners um so it's a debut in a lot of different ways uh I'm you know I'm curious about your story um what I know is just like how how cool you are to you know go to a convention with <laughs> <laughs> which Nicole is dope by the way for anybody who wants to travel she you know your boundaries really well you know you like you know you just go I'm gonna go now and like just shove up and she does her own thing and it's but it's great because there's so much going on that it's a relief to have somebody who's just like i'll catch you later bye and then she's off she doesn't you know you don't have to like i didn't have to nurse anything it was great
1: yeah i you know i don't like having to people please as much as possible um even though that's you know part of our nature um but yeah so i try to also respect that for others that nobody has to people please me and just take control of myself so
0: no i i dig it i dig it and you know it's appropriate when it's with a client but you know towards totally. other artists i think we don't we we don't i mean i don't even think we deserve all that uh <laughs> uh we don't know what the hell we're doing half the time this is great uh, you know um so going back uh before before tattooing and everything what like I guess what brought you to this like what what was the you know you've been well first before that how long have you been tattooing let's start there and then
1: I started tattooing uh middle of the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> So that's loaded it was June 2020 when we came back after being closed when I tattooed skin for the first time
0: got you got yeah. you and so do you, did you start your apprenticeship um, before the pandemic?
1: Yeah, it was that summer before in 2019. Holy
0: God. Um, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know. How was that? <laughs> oh God, it was
1: horrible. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> you add traditional apprenticeship duties and then you add all of this crazy stuff that the state wanted us to do.
0: Yep. And
1: yeah. It was Rhode just Island's, a total
0: nightmare. Rhode Island's pretty. Um, how do I put this in a nice way? They're they're regulated. I'm I'm licensed in Rhode Island, and I got because I'm regulated in Rhode Island and licensed there. I got all the PSAs of like what they were saying their their statutes were under certain licensure. And I was looking at when my friend Evan, who owns Powerline there, what he as an owner had to go through in order to you know, accommodate this state of emergency and put his business on hold. So I, I, I get a little bit of, I wasn't experiencing it, but you were, and you were, you were not a business owner, but you know, on the other end of that, you were fresh and trying to make a life for yourself. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um, it was, you know, one of those things where my shop owner, um, she had basically been like, oh, well, good thing I have an apprentice to do all this because I'm not doing it.
0: How oh, great. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I've never skied before, so let's just kick you off the you know, the lift onto the mountain and see if you don't die. <laughs> <laughs> don't Maybe you got this. a broken
1: ankle here or there, but... <laughs>
0: yeah, you know. I mean, you didn't die. <laughs> well... I hope that whatever you were doing before that was, uh, I guess, awful enough that you were like, you know,
1: I want a tattoo. (laughs) I mean, you could say that. Okay. Get Um, into it. Yeah. So, I mean, I was really all over the place for a really long time. Um, I was always creative as a kid. I was always making art. I was always playing music, Um, but I was constantly like conditioned and beat the artist out of myself that you know you have to do other things in order to be successful and now i know that couldn't be further from the truth um <laughs> but i found myself you know going to school dropping out of school cuz i was not happy um i actually studied biology mathematics and chemistry right on. um and worked in a lab on campus with a paid apprenticeship and per like did uh, an entire panel at like <laughs> this prestigious thing at Cornell, and oh, then that's all awesome. of a sudden,
0: <laughs> that's really like, cool. Do this, yeah. Um, I mean, but, if you're at that level and you're like, uh, sorry about my dogs, oh, you're fine, they're you know,
1: my cat's in the background now. She's not even looking at us, they were just barking, so they're probably loud because they're loud, <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're like, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: no and that's that's uh that's
0: fine I mean they're your children basically in yeah. a lot of ways yeah <laughs> but anyways yeah go ahead
1: <laughs> um as I was saying so after I dropped out of school I kind of just like went back into doing art because I had changed my major to art for a year prior to dropping out um and I just didn't feel like I was learning enough that was worth paying tuition um so i worked in the service industry all through college serving bartending and i just fell into that for a really long time um and in that comes a whole lot of toxic behavior and horrible hours and horrible treatment from people and from superiors and all this other stuff um i ended up in the brewing industry for a while And being a woman in a male-dominated brewing industry, where people are drinking all the time, was even worse.
0: (laughs) I believe it. I believe it.
1: (laughs) And ultimately, it just got to a point where one of the breweries I was working at, I was doing um, signage artwork for their menu, Um, Because they had like big boards that they would have hanging up over the bar. And I was doing all that artwork for them. And it was funny because it was one of my colleagues who actually worked in the warehouse. He was like, hey, you're really good at that. You should be a tattoo artist.
0: (laughs) And it's always that one person that's like, hey why are you doing this?
1: (laughs) You should be doing this. Yeah. But it's actually ironic because um, when I first dropped out of school, I kind of toyed around with the idea because I was getting tattooed. Um, I started getting tattooed right when I could, basically. I was like 19 when I got my first one. Um, And so I was getting tattooed and I thought it was cool. And I mean, I didn't have a portfolio. I had nothing. It was pretty embarrassing actually. And one day, after I was up partying all night, I decided it was a great idea to just walk into every shop down the street from where I was living in downtown Providence in Federal Hill, <laughs> and just ask for apprenticeships.
0: Hey, there you go. Did it? Did Essentially, it pan out? I got
1: laughed out of every single one. They're like, you know, do you have a portfolio? And I'm like, uh, no. And they're like, well, that's the first step. And they just laughed me out of the place. Oh.
0: Well, the second step, I guess the step for them would have been, you know, yeah, they could easily criticize you. But I have to defend a little bit in just the whole like, well, if you're looking for an apprentice or if you're even entertaining that, I have to vet you. So if I'm going to ask for a portfolio, I'm going to I'm going to shoot back with, hey, here's some homework. And then if you came back, I'd be like, oh, shit, okay, you know. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe this person has merit you know right. like that's that's that but anyway
1: ultimately I, hear you. I figured that out yeah <laughs> you know like
0: it's like well shit I can I can make a portfolio
1: <laughs> well that's good it's fine. it would have been an atrocious portfolio back then anyway
0: <laughs> I mean you never know you yeah, never know never I mean know. if it, it it's a. Uh, I think in the beginning, too, like with uh, like I just said, it's not really about the the caliber of the portfolio. That's part of it. That that's something. But if um, if somebody comes back after you kind of in a shitty way, say, no, we're not really looking for an apprentice, but I, you know, I'll give you a few tips. One, get a portfolio and put this in it and then they come back and it's in there and they listen to you. That just shows a lot of moxie
1: <laughs> totally.
0: You know what I mean? Like it shows a fire and it shows a willingness and you get a chance to critique yourself because if you didn't outline the specifics of what you asked for, you really get to see what they did with that. It's kind of like the prompt drawings. It's like, Oh, how many different ways can the word spicy be illustrated? It's just a generic which, thing.
1: Which was know? super clever how you did that.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I know well, that's why I always tell my client, I'm always like, you know, they're like, oh, this hurts, but it doesn't like hurt. Like the way I say, yeah, it's spicy. And they're like, yes, that's like the perfect word. <laughs> you don't even like think about it because usually associate it with a flavor or, but no, it's spicy. Yep.
1: Yep. Good one.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate well, that.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, that's one term I use all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So wrecked within so you you, you had a guy who was like you should tattoo and this is later this is we move in yeah, timeline. This is
1: much later yeah so i mean that first time that i could just kind of willy-nilly walked into all those shops i was 22
0: okay
1: um and then when i i ultimately lost that job at that brewery because of a whole sort of bullshit that happened and that's a whole other story that we won't even go down that road um <laughs> basically misogyny and nepotism it's great stuff yeah um, <laughs> and i have a mouth and i like to speak up for myself and no one likes that i so, do thank you i do, I do. <laughs> well see the thing is it's like people who who know the worth in that respect it and those who don't don't yeah
0: so, yeah well um, well and it's, it's not even about the worth in it. it's i think a lot of their own insecurities you know this is true that's really it it's like yeah. they, they don't even know their own value so how dare you have value
1: mm, honestly <laughs> you know yeah it's really hear just, that. yeah it's just projection mm-hmm. that's really what it is
0: I pray for them now I'm just like oh god bless <laughs> it feels so good I was like oh I'm just gonna pray for you basically uh, walk away
1: <laughs> you know it's like when someone flips me off in the car I just like send them little heart hands back
0: oh uh that's sweet and I don't like that either I think it's awesome that's great <laughs> that's wonderful if I have the opportunity to take my hands off the wheel to do that I'm doing that I'm stealing that one Just be like mm.
1: I'm like dangerously good at steering with my knee
0: yeah no I know I, I that's what I'm saying like if I have the opportunity to do it and not cause a bigger problem I'm stealing yeah. that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> drive safely but occasionally I'll make at you
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. well and and bartending you know for what it's worth uh whether it's crappy or not the the bitch of it is it is lucrative and you can make a lot of money and I do think you get like a mini psych degree from it too so it's kind of like trial by fire
1: oh totally you also get a mini psych degree from tattooing
0: well, yeah, but like it's it, once you've done bartending, I really yeah. think you can handle because, you know, what you're talking about, male dominated misogyny that can happen and, um you know, drinking constantly. I mean, whether that should or should not be a tattoo experience. It's a lot of people's tattoo experience yeah, with men's sports. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
1: it's definitely a vibe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've heard I've heard all kinds of tales, so. Um, you know, you're jumping from one, one thing to the next that, that very much so in a lot of ways, I mean, I'd say bartending, uh, I, doing hair for me was like a big one. Um, and then tattooing, like, and and a really like service based industry like that, like, but food industry, particularly with yours, it's like, you have alcohol in it, which, you know, alters the state of mind, lots of dependencies and lots of emotional crap. That you're fielding all the time so really it was kind of the perfect I'd say you know vetting mentally for like getting into tattooing
1: oh hands down there's so much that I learned from those years um that I still even use today when it comes to handling clients mm-hmm. and if I hadn't gone through that like I mean maybe I would have been one of those crotchety tattooers that doesn't have bedside manner <laughs>
0: Maybe, maybe, but and it also helps you with crotchety tattoo artists too, you know.
1: This is also very true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how did it how did it work? Like how did you go about building and getting towards that? Like I don't think I I don't think I know anything about
1: yeah, no, it like. we haven't had this conversation, so that's why it's we're awesome. having it. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so essentially like when that happened, that was like right before my 30th birthday um Mm -hmm. and I had just had enough and the way that I put it and it really just like this is the way I still say it because like the words just flow so well is I was tired of busting my ass for someone else's dream
0: yeah I like that so
1: tired of busting my ass for someone else's dream um and essentially I knew right off the bat I had to start drawing flash um, I started finding podcasts to listen to. Unfortunately, I didn't find yours back then. <laughs> I'm not but, so sure
0: if mine would have helped you as much because other yeah. ones are more technical. Mine's more like emotional support.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> found other it ones I I will tell people. you what to do. So you probably found the right ones for where you were. I'd have to yeah. think.
1: I was li- I was literally binge listening to Andrew Stortz's books closed. That's a good one. Yeah, it was really so good. good. And like, literally it told me, it taught me exactly like what to do, what not to do. And it made me fall in love with tattooing even more just from listening to everybody, Um, which was just awesome because, I mean, let's be honest. My first motivation was to be able to work for myself and to make good money. Mm -hmm. And I always loved tattoos. I always thought it was a cool job. I always like said, oh, I could never do that. Oh, they're so cool. Blah, 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 blah. But, you know, all those limiting beliefs that just creep in in your life. Um, And then it was it just it really helped me to dive in like both feet just jump right in. And I was bringing notepads with me to work when I was working at the bar. And when I had downtime in between clients, I was sketching stuff and yeah, I was just like taking prompts from people and being like, "Oh, what should I draw? This and the other thing." And I slowly started building up that portfolio. And it took me a good year and a half to actually build the fucking labias to walk into a shop.
0: Yeah, when you're when you're not like doing the the walk drunk one night, you know, yeah. down all of Providence.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, <laughs> different vibe, totally different vibe. Um, And even then, too, I just I would just go. I brought it in with me when I had appointments with people I've been getting tattooed by, which was the whole thing was I was like, well, that's where I start. I'm going to ask them first. Like, I have a relationship with them. They kind of know me from tattooing me for years. Even if they're not looking for someone, maybe they'll at least give me some feedback.
0: That's a great great place to start
1: and so that's exactly what I did I went in I got tattooed I was like actually one of the guys he already had an apprentice and I just knew it was gonna be a no mm-hmm. um but I was like you know I know you have an apprentice but I want to ask your feedback anyways like tell me what you, tell me your thoughts on my portfolio and he wasn't super helpful <laughs> um but he was like oh no, you're you're on the right track and that's kind of really all he gave me <laughs> And I was like, okay, all right. I'm like, all right. Well, that's something. Yeah. (laughs) And then my next guy, who was also like my regular, one of my other regular artists, I went into him, and he didn't currently have an apprentice, but a year or two prior, he had just finished apprenticing his brother. Mm. And he was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be super honest with you. Like, I don't think I'm going to do it ever again. It's just a lot of work. It's a lot of responsibility. I just finished apprenticing my brother not that long ago. I just can't right now. He's like, but I'll take a look. And so I gave him my portfolio and he already knew that I was capable of drawing and stuff. Like I've brought him stuff before and be like, hey, maybe I'll get this tattooed someday. He's like, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and it was him who was actually like, you know, I don't know anyone who's looking right now, but I can keep my ear to the ground for you. Um, And then he was, and then I was like walking out the door and he's like, actually, wait. He goes, I don't know if my friend is interested, but I know she had one recently that didn't work out. You could try her. And then I drove by that shop probably like seven dozen times before actually walking in. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> You're like this is so real.
1: parked <laughs> out front, and I was like, mm, no, she doesn't have any idea who I am. This is so weird. And I was like, I don't know. And I just kept going back and driving away and going back and driving away. <laughs> and then one day, <laughs> I was like, it doesn't even look like there's anyone in there. Like the um, the the neon sign was broken, apparently. Oh shit but the windows were basically blacked out. So I was like, it doesn't even look like there's anyone in there. And I'm like, Mike's told me that she was there every single day tattooing. I'm like she never seems to be here. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to get out and check the door. And I awkwardly like <laughs> it. It, open. <laughs> it was probably, it was so embarrassing. And I was like, Oh, that door is very open and very unlocked. <laughs> um, and, you know, she kind of gave me the the stare down and just, like, told me that, you know, she was burned by the last kid and she doesn't really want to do it. But she'll take a look at my portfolio. And she was like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know, like, blah, blah, blah. But I kept going back anyways, because at this point, I think I was probably two and a half years into searching.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, well, she didn't say no, so I'm going to keep going back. Yeah. <laughs> and I popped in a couple other times and I was like, um, actually, I want to make a tattoo appointment with you. And she was like, you do? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. And so I made an appointment because I was like, well, how else to get to know each other better than to get tattooed? So I got tattooed by her and then, you know, I bugged her again. She still said no. And then I came back the next week and I asked her if I could pick up a broom or something. And she said, no, I'm good right now. But you know what? Like, draw me this, 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 and this and come back and show me what you do. Awesome. So I was like, okay. So I was like, I got home. I got all excited. I was like, oh, my God. I got, I got homework.
0: (laughs) It's already here. My next book. Okay, listeners, I've got something to share with you that I'm already in love with. I don't know about you, but I'm a total book nerd. I have so many books. A lot I haven't read, I admit. There's just something about having bookshelves full of possibilities that calms my soul. So when I attended the Bogota City Tattoo Fest this past August for the first time, I was delighted to run into my friend Ina Vigilato. We've actually had her on our show, so go check that out. Straight away, it was like God used Ina to guide me over to Black Dagger Books. There I met Travis Lawrence and Josh Rowan, the creators of this enterprise, and got hooked as soon as I saw their product. It's these beautiful little books just full of art, amazing art from amazing tattoo artists. From here, I'm just going to read what their site says. Black Dagger Books is an ongoing collection of artists defining modern tattooing, published monthly, one artist per book, one book per month. A subscription is $25 a month. You get inside of these beautiful books, these, these custom stickers. Each one is filled with the most gorgeous artwork, and it always concentrates on these awesome tattoo artists. And I try to follow each one as soon as I... As soon as I open the book, I'm just like, oh, my God. So it's really worth it. Uh, Do yourself a favor. Go over to BlackDaggerBooks.com or if you're on IG, Black Dagger Books. It's all one word. And check out their products. Like I said, the subscription is awesome and I'm really happy. Uh, This quells everything about... You know, the book nerd in you, the art collector, it also cures any guilt that you might have about having books just laying around because this gives back to the artist community. It's it's a win-win. And just so everyone knows, I'm not being paid to shout these guys out. I just genuinely love their product. And also, I really love them. You know, the creators, Travis and Josh, were amazing. They were so kind to me. They gave me so much of their time at the Tattoo Festival. So if you ever have the chance to meet them, talk to them, they're great guys. I just can't say enough things. So do yourselves a really big favor. Go check it out. Thanks so much, listeners. Let's get back to our
1: podcast.
0: (laughs) That's awesome because that's the way you should be, you know?
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And then I worked on that sheet feverishly for like the next week and I brought it in the next week and she was like, okay, now do this. And then I just started showing up and I was like, so can I, can I hang out? Like, can I just hang out and draw? Can I do this, that, the other thing? Whatever. And she was still hesitant because, you know, she'd been burned apparently. How, whatever that means. <laughs> and.
0: We might know one day.
1: <laughs> I mean, she eventually told me the story, but mm-hmm. then after knowing her.
0: You're like, I yeah, know. I see it.
1: Like, well,
0: and that's the thing is that it's hard to, I think it's hard to, I mean, just as a, you know, as a compassionate thing, having done it, um, it's hard to keep the boundaries really, really good, um, you know, because yeah. there's, there's just so much, there's so much caring that it, it's hard to appropriate the caring in ways that are like, Good for everybody, and I I do think that that I mean you know if I were to look at my own my own failings and there were ones while during my, my mentorship you know not my mentorship mentoring someone you know you do the best of what you can do and it just breaks your heart because you know uh, I was earlier today I met with Killian Moon and we were talking about his one and you know, we admitted, it was like, it's, it's really, you know, you find yourself sometimes caring more than you should about their success. And it, you, your ego kind of gets wrapped up into it. And it's not appropriate. It's not right. But you know, it's hard not to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and like, we know how cool it can be. You know, we know how cool it can be, but we also know how petty it is. And now, you know, how, how big it is and how much it means to the people who sit in your chair and, and all of that. So, and, and, you know, how dangerous it can be if done badly. So, yeah, totally. you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but, and, you know, we, we go into it wanting to do art. We don't go into it thinking, well, how do how do I teach this shit? <laughs> you know, like that's a whole other thing
1: yeah, this is very true.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I do understand that. And I, I empathize from the place that I, I know I'm a weird personality too. I'm definitely more of like a, I'm better for a moment. Then you walk away for a while and then be like, Oh, Amy. Oh yeah, that's fun. And then it's the same. But like, if you put that on steady, like steady go, be like, this bitch is a lot. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like She's kind of Nuts, and I admit it, I am. So I, but I understand. But yeah, it's a. I I get the burn, and and if you're fortunate enough, which I think you will be, because you know you you've been tattooing for three almost four years now. Yeah, you know, I I really didn't reach any of that even thinking about it until I was like eight years in. Um. So yeah, calm. But yeah, the in the and. I do like that uh, you set up a tattoo appointment with her because I think that's a a screening process for anybody that hopes to be an apprentice because if you don't like the tattoo or how you got tattooed enough to think about learning under that person, I mean, you can always get the tattoo covered up. (laughs) Like if you you enter into a learning journey with somebody who you don't even like getting tattooed by or the tattoo you get, why would you want to learn from them?
1: Especially when you're going to be there day in and day out with them.
0: Yeah. So I think that was a great thing. And honestly, incidentally, that's how I got my second apprenticeship in tattooing was I, he, he denied me, he said, I don't need you. And I said, wow, I like your work. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about getting something like this. And he looked at the design that I had and I said, I'd like to get this tattooed by you. And he did that. And then I was like a few months later that he was like, hey, nerd, check your messages you know, I'm kind of offering a tattoo apprenticeship. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but I wouldn't go away. Like, I kept, like, nudging at him. And, yeah. and you know, so that's how you do it. You don't go away. And, you know, you, you put some skin in the game. And you did. Literally. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so that's cool.
1: I mean, it was one thing that my dad always told me that always stuck with me is that the squeaky wheel gets the grease.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and it's and it's hard, too, sometimes when you're like, am I being annoying? I don't care. I don't care. I want it. <laughs> <It's> like, <"A&A." laughs>
1: and that's the thing, too. It comes to a point where it's like either you want it bad enough to keep trying or you stop trying. Yeah. And it's like I think it's it's definitely very important to go through that vetting process. And it's unfortunate that I hear a lot of people that criticize that but honestly tattooing is a lot and if you can't get through that vetting process you're not gonna last in tattooing
0: absolutely
1: so it's an important step and there's a reason for it
0: Mm mm-hmm oh yeah have to
1: be toxic no
0: no no that's a little (laughs) that's over that's beyond beyond the pale (laughs) no you're right you're right um yeah, I I I like all of that. So you kept coming back. Uh, she kept giving assignments until. Did it did it ever like, she go? Yes, we're gonna we're apprenticing you.
1: Yeah, she um, it was. Yeah, it was probably like, because I first started bothering her in I believe. March of 2019 either February or March and then it was August that um I got tattooed in June and then it was August where she said yeah. I guess do you want to be my apprentice so it was a year of building
0: a portfolio and then six months approving yourself with a person who just kept giving you assignments and embedding you.
1: It was a good two years building the portfolio. So okay. I was almost three years in. Yeah. yeah. Awesome.
0: That's, that's a good thing to hear and to know too. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, and when, when she said that, what, what happened from there? Like what was, uh, what was the things that she asked
1: you to do now that you're the apprentice? Um, I mean, I asked, you know, when when do you want me to start? Mm-hmm. And then um she gave me like, well, let's start next week. Um and I mean, I was even in the background too, working on finding a new job so that I could actually be there. Yeah. And I ended up um <laughs> getting fired again from a brewery I was at.
0: Oh, <laughs> and- Oh, the life before we had the, the, the hardships of the 2020 era where you can't like get people to work now.
1: (laughs) Um, And I found a gig as a barista. So then that way I could work from 7am to noon and then go straight to the shop from one until God knows when.
0: Yeah. The hustle is real, man. That's for it, sure.
1: Yeah. It was serious. And you know, she was like, well, I normally start at noon. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I do have to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Well, what time can you get here? Just get here at that time every day. And she literally tattooed six days a week. So I was there. She was like, well, I was like, when do you want me to be here? Every day I'm here. I'm like, okay. All right, cool. Like, here we go. This is going to be a lot. Um, so it was Monday through Saturday every day from 1 until like sometimes 9 or 10. Right on. And did she have um more
0: of a private clientele or did she have walk-ins? Like how did that look?
1: Um I mean this was also this was before COVID so there were people calling and stuff like that but she was booked out for a few months and it was just her at the shop. Gotcha. Um so I mean very rarely would she take a walk-in. Gotcha. But gotcha. people would inquire. And did you learn, uh,
0: the front end as well as like, is that was that your duties?
1: Oh, I was doing literally everything that would be running a business. <laughs> I was handling the phones. I was, you know, greeting people. If they walked in to inquire, I would, you know, consult them basically before she would consult them, um, I was doing all the cleaning, all the organizing, all the restocking, buying all the supplies, going on runs to Walmart four or five days a week. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, running her errands.
0: Oh yeah, the errand running. Gopher, gopher <laughs> yeah. tastic. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Learning the layout of the the local area, Basically. finding every location there yep. is. <laughs> yep.
1: Oh, I forgot my charger at home. Go to my house and get it for me. Like all I'm, of the things. I'm
0: feeling like uh you know tapas today. Can you find a tapas restaurant? Obviously, <laughs> like,
1: know, like, Find 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 me tapas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and not, I hear you. Once, and not once was I thrown any gas money.
0: Mhm. No, yeah, you, you don't know. you don't get no.
1: that. Not once was I thrown gas money. Not once was, you know, you, no, just nothing. Nothing's nothing's given back to you. Mm-mm. Nothing. Literally yeah. nothing. Just the the chance of tattooing.
0: Yep. Yep. That's the carrot that's dangled for sure.
1: <laughs> and no. then I also played therapist every time she would break up with a girlfriend every six months. So that was fun.
0: Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's, that's not great. Honestly,
1: it's like that entire experience is probably the reason why I've gotten so good at my boundaries.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll do work. it. I had to. Yeah. That'll do it. So it's kind of like having a consistent regular at the bar who, like, yeah. is your boss. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I really disconnect from you when I'm serving other people, but now you're my boss. And now you're just like, you know, trauma dumping on me. <laughs> Every day. Honestly. Every day.
1: Every day. It was always something. There was always drama with her friends. There was always drama with the girlfriends. It was drama, 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 drama. It was like I was fucking Jersey Shore in the tattoo shop.
0: (laughs) Did the neon sign ever get fixed?
1: Yeah, I had to figure that out also. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right on. This is also one of my duties. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Wonderful. And then one day... Um, Because you know how sometimes those scam calls go around? Mm -hmm. One day, one of them was so freaking convincing. I thought it was literally the cable company threatening to shut off the internet. And I I was like, hey, they're saying that this thing, that something's wrong with the bill. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, we'll figure it out
0: wow okay
1: like, okay and so I was like pulling out all the bills that I had all organized for her wow <laughs> they all had to be in a you know I had to organize them all in a binder and like that way everything was easily accessible and blah 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 because right. you know for taxes and all that stuff and I had to I was in charge of literally taking all the mail and putting it where it needed to be and most of the time there wasn't a place so I had to create a place so then wow. I would have to go to Walmart or Staples and get things to create a place <laughs>
0: Nice. (laughs) I mean, you know, (laughs) um,
1: you figured it out though, obviously I'm sure. But yeah, um, essentially what happened was they had gotten me so invested that I started like pulling numbers off the thing that, but it wasn't the account number and stuff, but it was just enough that she was terrified that they got information somehow, but they didn't. And so then it was also my job to contact the bank, cancel her card, get a new card. And then they didn't want to talk to me because it's not my account. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work like that. (laughs) She's like, well, I can't be bothered with this. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. You're the one who like made me do this. Oh my
0: God. (laughs) I had a very similar incident. Um, There was the one time I gave out my boss's cell phone number because we, so I was really sick one time during my uh, apprenticeship years and it had snowed and I came to work not dressed to shovel snow, uh, dressed to get my ass from my car to the shop and do my work for the day and not dig out our parking lot. Well, apparently that was part of my my duties for the day and i was so sick i probably shouldn't have even gone in but you know i was dealing with somebody who didn't didn't have a history of me and didn't realize how dedicated i am to the work that i do that like i i seriously don't get sick very often and it wasn't going to be a cyclical thing cuz you know you hiring somebody and be like oh my god are there this person that's sick all the time like right. you know so i get it from that from that aspect so i really shouldn't have even gone in and then the parking lot situation it was like I just kept looking at my boss because I grown up in a small business family and my dad has a a fucking plow for his, his truck. I mean, you either pay somebody to plow your parking lot or you figure out how to plow your parking lot. Like the landlord does it. Well, I mean, but if you own the building, right. That's it. And, and that's what it really came down to is that, of course, like you said, there's a landlord kind of situation involved where there was a landlord wasn't the best landlord for right. what we had. You always have to deal with that. You still have clients coming for the day and there's still fucking snow on the ground. So something's got to happen. So I get like handed this stupid shovel. That's not even a shovel. Like there was only like one, like viable shovel. And then there was this little thing that it was like, dude, I'm never going to be able to shovel this damn parking lot. And so I'm like out there sick as a dog, like really upset because I'm like, like dude, why don't you pay somebody to freaking plow your lot? Like, what is going on here? And he was like, why would I do that? Because I have, I have an apprentice and I have friends. I just get, call my friend. And I'm like, this is abusive. Like, this is really not how you handle shit. Like, this is not responsible. This is not what I said. You could have even just given me a nod to be like, hey, fucker, wear snow boots and some gloves. Like something.
1: Right, anything.
0: Bring a shovel to work. Like something. Something that would have set this up a little bit better so that even, even your ass could be more something that I could do for you. But then the woman next door, our, our like, you know, our neighbor, so to speak in this building, she came over and she was like, Hey, you know, I'm talking to a plow guy outside and, you know, we're really trying to get in touch with John because we're all trying to like communally. She, she made it sound like this was a conversation that was involved in the business owners and and this is something that like had previously been talked about. So I was like, oh cool. You know, like you and you and my boss are are thinking about plowing the slot together. Yes. So I gave her his number. Oh the ass chewing I got for giving out his phone number. He's like don't you ever fucking give out my number again. If somebody's supposed to have my number I will give it I will have it. They will have my number. Don't you ever do that. And I was like, dude, oh, seriously, man. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even understand why you would have a name. I live next to my neighbor. I don't have to talk to her. We just live next to each other. I'm in a town home. She has my number. She also has a key to my house in case something happens. When I go out of town, I let her know, like, hey, bro, you know, like, if you could just like kind of keep an extra. I don't even understand why you wouldn't give your neighbor of any kind your contacts if you i mean i don't work with her but if i work next to a person i it just makes sense to me that you'd want to share those contacts like anything could happen a fucking fire could break out yeah. anything <laughs> but uh, okay i did i did a carnal no-no and i do know and un- understand like the cell phone number thing now that i'm a tattoo artist it is a big thing like you got to you got to put boundaries up between you and the next person. And be like, you are not to be calling me at every hour of the day. I need homework, life balance. <laughs> there are certain things I cannot be bothered with right now. So I get it now, but I was just like, oh my god! Like just for this, okay, this is weird, but all right, all right. But now I got, I get you. That that is way worse because yeah, like the bank can't talk to you about somebody else's account. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Oh, my God. Wow. And it was all her fault anyway. It was all because she wasn't, she couldn't be bothered with any of it. Just, like, figure it out. And you're like, well, I I did about as best as I could. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds very similar.
1: It doesn't sound like much has changed. It's a ridiculous situation. Because it's like, you get put in these situations sometimes where it's like, there's literally nothing that you can do. And then you're like, but it's your fault. Why Mm -hmm. can't you do it? what what
0: <laughs> this like isn't what? how things work though <laughs> <laughs> like
1: they're not, not going to talk to me <laughs>
0: the very idea that i have to organize your bills is unbelievable okay all right i you know and i get it that's, well, that's she would just
1: open them and leave them all over the desk
0: <laughs> like this is not happening at least not to this it was desk. like you know confetti like,
1: yeah Like, stacking bills on the desktop.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Every printout ever, every copy that she made, everything would be right on top of everything. I'd have to get in and, like, reorganize the entire desk every single day.
0: Okay. Part of the mission of this podcast is to share really awesome people with all of you. So go check out Eden Health. This is my friend John Simmons' company. Through it, he does acupuncture, nutrition, microneedling, light therapy. But it doesn't stop there, everyone. <laughs> like, it's he's, he's a wealth of knowledge. And I welcome all of you to meet him, go talk to him, reach out to him. You can find him at EdenHealthMD.com. Back to our podcast so on top of this i mean i think we're answering the question is there is there anything any anything about the way that you were taught that you felt was unnecessary (laughs) definitely that um (laughs) you know
1: like a little i think think the personal errands thing is honestly just abusive yeah um especially if you're not going to actually give anything back for that agreed um Mm -hmm. It's it's too easy to just get supplies like automatically delivered. Um, that wasn't even an option for me to organize something like that, which as the apprentice, sure, figure out how to organize auto deliveries. Okay, great. Let's right. do that. No, that wasn't even allowed. I had to physically go get everything. And in the beginning of COVID, when there were no paper towels anywhere, I had to literally drive all over creation to find a pack of two.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I didn't even think about that, dude. <laughs> wow. That sucks. That sucks. And
1: I would be running into every grocery store, running out, blah 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 everywhere. It was just awful.
0: That whole paper and the wear footage. and tear that
1: I put on my car, like my car kept breaking down, like it was wow, just not a good situation.
0: No, no, and and you know, that was one thing that I really appreciated at paradise that was said at the end. And I think that, that, that was actually noted was that, you know, there was an apprentice that stood up and she was like, guys, this shit's really expensive. Like if it wasn't for the grace of my mentor, who I am so grateful brought me here because all of this is really dope, but had he not like done that for me, there is no way I could have done this. There is no way. And they they really took it to heart and are thinking about doing like a like a a fund or some kind of you know um, grant or uh, scholarship kind of thing to maybe have a few people actually get to do it that are at that level. But yeah, like you need grace at that point. You like need people to understand where you're at, which again, like this is more of the emotional support podcast of like, oh my god, dude, come and trauma dump about all the bullshit that you went through because you need to let other people know that like. It is totally, it, it shouldn't be normal, but it is, <laughs> it happens. And, uh, you know, my hope is that, you know, giving this to other people as well as my grace in understanding all that I've come to, and then resubmitting myself to somebody else's story, however, that's gone down, gives me perspective about how to be better moving forward if I decide to take on another apprentice, which I hope to one day, I would really like to, um, cause you know, that was another thing at paradise was like, yeah, so many people be like, wow, I got burnt and oh, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but you have to, because it's just like putting on the show, like, you know, Jake and like
1: there's, I feel like there's, there's a, there's a better way to do it so that there are boundaries set from the get-go for both parties so that no one's getting burnt. Yeah. I in try that, to the way expectations are clear.
0: Yeah. There's,
1: you know, okay. This is what it's, what's expected of you. This is what you're going to be responsible for. Okay. Have a rebuttal. Okay. Well, you know, how about this? How about, you know, I'm barely making money and I'm here six days a week. Are you going to throw me gas money ever? Like,
0: yeah. Anything. Well, and if I'm going to have you go Even for having which-
1: a conversation
0: my, my apprentice never had to run errands like that for me. Um, hers was, in fact, I was criticized for not, uh, hazing her more. Um, I was like, not, not, I know none of it. I was like, none of that was necessary. Uh, at least as far as I can tell. And she, she, she was in a very secure profession that she was moving from that, that she loved and that she was very good at. And, but you know, this was offering, like you said, you know, I'm, I'm bleeding myself dry for somebody else's dream. It's a great and sacrifice. It it really is. And hers was, I think a good one because she was teaching kids, you know? So in that respect, she's, she was doing something that was very integral, but this offered her the opportunity to do her art. And, and that can scale in so many different ways. And plus, you know, she wanted to be a mom and all those things. So it offered her opportunities to have a little bit more control of the life moving ahead. So it, I saw all of her wants and I was like, no, I I think this would be a good move. I think you show the moxie and the hustle and all of these things. And we had a curriculum. Um, The issue with that was, is that I wasn't the owner of the shop. So we had other people that were of mentor ability and he took on other apprentices and then there was a couple of incidents where he just railroaded my fucking curriculum with his own apprentice. And it was like, dude, why do you think I gave you a curriculum? I gave you a curriculum so that one, hopefully you'd clear it and go, this is a nice curriculum. I would like to adopt this as something that we do, you know, kind of that whole back and forth thing that you're talking about, but amongst professionals who work together, who you know, I'm basically grooming somebody not to my own benefit, but for his shop's benefit, because she ain't paying me money at the end of the day. You know, again, it wasn't. I wasn't being thrown anything extra for teaching somebody. It was just simply right. I wanted to do. And I wanted to do it with somebody that that I had picked that I thought was a really good artist and that I saw potential. In, and I thought it would be a great thing to learn. So for me, I was willing to sacrifice, put skin in the game. But for him, it was just like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know why it ever like got to that. Like why I had to have a sit down at one point where he railroaded the curriculum and he was like, I just didn't think about it. And I was like, you didn't think about how this would make my apprentice feel. You didn't think about what this would put me, put a position on me. Like, dude, I I don't even know how you can not think about that. I don't even know how you could think that this wouldn't affect the relationship between the apprentices in the shop. Like, right. Why do you want that kind of fucking turmoil?
1: It's just going to create, (laughs) all it does is create tension and drama. And it's like, that's the last thing that you want.
0: (laughs) Yep. So, you know, and the learning there is that if you do take on an apprentice, be very careful if you do it um, in somebody else's shop, I'd say as a caveat, you know, like be very clear on the back end before the apprentice even gets there about what the relationship is with you and the owner and what, you know, just make sure that all that's kind of understood because that's the only yeah. thing I can offer. Anybody with that is the, like, if you do it in somebody else's shop um, again, you're just slitting your wrist for somebody else's dream and you get burnt pretty, pretty bad. I mean, it's, I'd say that's worse than getting burnt in your own shop because at least in your own shop, you know, you can keep on plucking and you keep doing right. your own thing, but you get burnt in somebody else's shop where you're not even getting a cut of whatever comes. That's really fucked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's something I would never even consider doing is like apprenticing somebody if I did not own a shop. Yeah. It's it, a good call. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like set up for success. We'll put it that way for anyone.
0: I mean, it's, it's definitely, even
1: if there's something that, you know, like the shop owner could be, could tell them to kick bricks.
0: Yeah. Well, and I would have been fine with that. Like, honestly, um, I mean, if that had happened, it doesn't mean that I can't still like give them nods and help and to work for somebody else. He can't control me like that. He can tell me to kick bricks, but you know, he did eventually, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I, for me, it was just always like, I guess it's always just what kind of person I think people should be. That's really how I lead with. And, um, you know, people talk a big game about we should be more socially involved and caring and kind and all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, the, the proof, I, I never see the proof in the pudding. It's always very cutthroat. It's always about money at the end of the day. Like, look, it is business. I understand you got to make money, but it should also be about how you want to make an impact in an industry and what do you want your legacy to be. And that was what I was kind of pulling with, at least for myself. But uh, like I said, if you find a if you find a shop owner that you kind of jive with like that. Probably the best thing to do would be what I should have done, which is like, hey, how can I buy a partnership into this business before I do that? That way, I have some skin in the game and some, you know, things like that. So you know, word to the wise. But yeah, that's smarter. I'm glad, glad you know that. (laughs) So there wasn't a curriculum. You were doing everything with the promise of tattooing, and then COVID hit, and so then you're like, really? uh being driven around not only by her but by COVID um yeah. <laughs> what else happened
1: well I mean it was just actually extra difficult too getting people to practice on in that lit landscape nobody wanted to be near anyone no one wanted to be especially for extended periods of time like there was moments where I felt like I was begging for people to come get tattooed Yeah. It was so infuriating. (laughs) And I was like, but this is literally one of the most sterile environments.
0: (laughs) Yep. You can't
1: be in a cleaner environment.
0: (laughs) Not to mention, as you said, she only, she had her own clientele and it was just her and just you. So the, the, the body count in that building was not high enough to warrant that level of caution. No. Wow. Very the, easily was, controlled. Like The
1: state was breathing down everybody's throats. They would send people out in the field to, like, check in and make sure everyone was doing their contact tracing, that everybody had their logbook of when everything was getting cleaned, all the touch points. Like, it was pretty insane. That's intense. It was That's pretty intense. insane.
0: Damn, and dude.
1: on top of it, you had mayors in Rhode Island literally creating, like phone phone numbers to call and rat on people they were they were telling people to rat on one another
0: that is terrible oh my god that's awful
1: yeah like a hotline there was literally a hotline that you could call and like say somebody was not being compliant
0: wow that's pretty intense because and i did hear that he stopped working for the state board eventually but I remember a man named Arthur that I actually did, like I called because I had to, I had to uh, do my um, practical exam, like Mm -hmm. part of the license in front of him. And I was like, dude, I only have a guest spot. Like, can you come during my guest spot to like, see if I'm being compliant and then he was so loosey-goosey. He was like, we'll see. Here's the deal, man. Like, we are short-staffed. And so we don't really have a lot of people to throw at that right now. So we kind of know about Powerline. They're, they've, they've, you know, done what they have to do. So just send the money in. It's cool. And I was like, so that's like a setup for disaster, too. Because you go from that to, like, all of this regulation, all of this up your ass. Like we, we got to make sure everything's falling through. And by the way, rat on people who are not like, it was like Arthur and then that. So that's, that's stark, man. That contrast, (laughs) man.
1: Yeah. Um, when I started my apprenticeship, um, actually I had to register with the state as an yeah apprentice.
0: what did what did that look like like as far as like did you have to clock hours and stuff like that
1: yeah so the whole point was they were trying to get away from just anyone getting licensed because they I guess like they realized that there was X amount of licenses and only so many shops and it just didn't add up. <laughs> yeah yeah um so essentially they they made it so that you had to register you had to be registered under another artist's license, mm-hmm. um, at a shop and they had like an entire outline of hours that you had to log to essentially show your, you put your time in. How many um,
0: hours do you remember?
1: Um, I remember that there was different categories and I mean, the numbers are kind of like loosely remembered off the top of my head. Like there was about 150 hours of Practical tattooing, 150 of aseptic technique, like so many hours of bloodborne pathogens training, which you can only do so many hours of bloodborne pathogens. Like, I mean, (laughs) I guess you could count,
0: I mean, cause aseptic technique plus bloodborne pathogen, they're kind of intertwined. Like you learn them both together.
1: Yeah. Essentially I, I, I almost had to like over research things and it was just like, banging my head against a wall yeah well and if you did did you they do didn't s- really have a way of vetting it they're just like okay show us what you did and well it because big- it okay
0: it puts the onus on the shop owner is how it right. is and that's what's really fucked up about bureaucracies and stuff like that is that that's the other part of why not a lot of shop owners want to take apprentices is because oh you're just a dangling liability that if you fuck up it's on me it's not Basically. on And I, I have to hold and bite the bullet and pay out all this shit, and possibly, you know, have just a shit storm of stuff to worry about. So So yeah, you're
1: registered under their license. You are working under the umbrella of their license. So anything that you do, they're responsible for by by proxy.
0: Yep, yep. It's it's a it's heady, man. Yeah, people don't
1: realize that it's a huge responsibility to take on an apprentice, and there's a reason why it's super selective. Like. Well, and- it's not necessarily gatekeeping, although there are people that are doing that, but there's just a lot to consider before taking that responsibility. It's literally like having a child, but they get to tattoo people.
0: Yep. Well, and then the bureaucracies, they don't have enough oversight of them, you know? So like right. if you push back at some, a law, for example, that doesn't make sense. Um, my parents pushed back once when they came in to check on massage licenses, my parents were like, there's some massage going on and it's upstairs with the massage therapist as it's supposed to be displayed once somebody's getting a massage. They're like, Well, we need to go up there. They're like, No, you're not interrupting a massage to check a license. Where's your registry? It's all registry. You don't have to be here. Why are you here? And then my parents were like, Let me ask you something. You know, massage under the license. It says that you can practice that anywhere, really. You do not they don't restrict that you have to do it under a flag of a business. So doesn't that mean that people can do it out of their homes? And they're like, well, yeah. And They were like, how do you check a license in a home? You can't come into somebody's home. Not in your jurisdiction, bucko. She's like, how does that work? I feel like we're being targeted and abused here. Um, and it was it was like one of these things where the the because my parents would bitch and like push back at them to do their job better. And because they were pushing back at the actual state board and kind of pointing out all of these terrible, you know, like regulations where there would actually be no recourse for people who broke the law, which really fucked with my parents, because if you're following the law and paying out all this money to follow the law. And nobody else is doing it. And then they're not being punished for not doing it. Well, who, who's accountable for that? Like, where's the recourse for that? And when they would push back at the bureaucracies, the bureaucracies would pick on my parents. They would come and they they once stopped at our shop like every, every, every month for like three months. And my, my mom was like, I'm about ready to file harassment charges against you because this is clearly harassment. You haven't found a single thing. So what are you doing? But this is why we know each other, because we were a part of Jason Stapleton's group. (laughs) And it was all about doing your own thing, side hustles, you know, business mindedness, you know, all all of these things that like, why don't you have a physical location? Why are you trying to be a digital creator? Like all these things where he's like, yeah, man, like you got to be a digital nomad in some respects. Like you have to have that side hustle, you know, because diversification Cause bottom can fall out in a lot of different ways when it comes to all of this, like government crap that
1: yeah. happens. We all learned that the hard way.
0: Yeah. And, and you, it sounds like really had to suffer quite a bit during what is already a very suffering kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, also during that whole time when COVID hit too, um, the stress was so much that, cause I had undiagnosed Lyme disease,
0: Yes, yeah, I talk, talk about, about
1: that. Um, and when that kind of all blew up in March, um, yeah, my entire body just like gave up, and it was like the Lyme was just taking over. I was also dealing with endometriosis that I had just discovered. Oh my god,
0: <laughs> that's terrible!
1: <laughs> and so it was just like I was also going through this major health journey on top of all of it, yeah. So that was a struggle. And there was definitely days where it was like, you know, fortunately, you know, it wasn't all bad things because fortunately she was very forgiving of the fact that I did have these things going on. Um, So I do have to give credit where credit's due. She was Mm -hmm. definitely empathetic to that respect. Yeah. You know, if I was having a bad day and more often than not, I would push myself to go into work because that's just what I've done for years and years and years Carrying around that chronic pain, anyways, in the service industry was, yeah. Myself, yeah. Um, you know, th- when there really were days that I could not, mm-hmm. should be like, okay, you know, feel better, yeah, like, okay, thank you.
0: That's good. <laughs> I might have been a creditor to, to having a woman too, on some yeah. levels, you know, you know what, as a woman, it's hard to get at least to an adult age without hearing about endometriosis or meeting somebody who's had it and being like oh or experiencing your own kind of shit yeah. so you're like oh yeah no go go home
1: <laughs> i ended up having uh having surgery too to get mm. all excised yeah um, man that's that was, that was october 2020 so this was all just a lot
0: <laughs> dude that's terrible. I, any kind of, any kind of medical distress, uh, during 2020 was awful. I kind of, I, by proxy learned a lot about that from my mom who, you know, she was, you don't know, but you're about to know, um, <laughs> she, she <laughs> you know, um, she had a hiatal hernia that, uh, she had to get operated on and they considered it elective. So, Something that could have very easily killed her had she caught COVID on top. She never caught COVID. Like she might be one of those few people who is actually immune. Thank God. But had she caught COVID on top of having what she was—I mean, she was puking like on the regular. I mean, just and and working on top of it because you know okay. Costco. Costco is a uh, uh, yeah. She's she's working with Costco in the warehouse, and you know they'll they'll keep you working. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah yeah, so that's good at least so um as far as uh you know uh what what she would ask you do in terms of tattooing what were some of the um the things that you learned about tattooing did you do a breakdown setup how how did the actual apprenticeship look like in terms of tattooing beyond organizing or bills
1: yeah um <laughs> so i was doing all the setup and breakdown from day one essentially oh awesome yeah so that de- breakdown setup from day one um <clears throat> it was probably about 6 months in that she was like okay i have this dusty old coil machine that i haven't touched in nine years but take it apart and put it back together and see if it works and i did that but she i didn't really like learn the ins and outs and like what everything what like how to tune it or anything like that or what to listen for <clears throat> so it was just like i just learned what the parts were and basically what they did but i didn't know how to run a coil machine <laughs> right And I had even expressed that I wanted to learn how to tattoo on a coil. Right. And instead, she, you know, talked me out of it. She was like, no, you know, the industry is heading away from that. Like, don't even waste your time. I would just focus on, you know, getting your technique down and not have to worry about whether your machine is going to be working or not. And I was like, okay, I guess that's fair. But if you're not going to help me in it, then I'm not going to learn it. Yeah. (laughs) no absolutely so then I was on practice skins for like six months Mm -hmm. and then COVID hit we shut down for two months
0: yeah I was like will anybody please let me tattoo them (laughs) please
1: (laughs) and it was tough because it's like she like on purpose was having me work on practice skins for a very long time yeah um And I almost felt like that was kind of detrimental because then I got too used to tattooing silicone and not skin. So by the time skin rolled around, I basically had to relearn what I was doing. And it's like the practice skins are cool, are like a good use for like, okay, how do I figure out how I'm holding my machine? How do I figure out you know, how maybe I orient it to pull a line or like this or that. The other thing and kind of like get the technique practiced a little bit, but I don't think anyone should be on them for as long as I was.
0: All right. Diary listeners. That's the end of part one. Next week, we're going to air part two and I really hope you come back. I I hate having to break these things up, especially with (laughs) what comes out next week. It's honestly one of the funniest things (laughs) I've heard in a while. Nicole DeRoy, who, by the way, I'm sorry, I I butchered her name in the beginning. I don't know why I have a thing about adding letters to people's, I'm, I'm abysmal with names, diary listeners, like my pronunciation and I'm working on it, but, uh, she is just a wonderful human, has obviously been through a lot. I got to spend a lot of time with her at, uh, Paradise Tattoo Gathering and, uh, yeah, it's just onward and upward for her. I really think that her story is amazing. She's pretty awesome, if I do say so myself. And, uh, yeah, you can find her at Nicole DeRoy Tattoos on Instagram. And uh, she is currently working at Acme Inc. in Rhode Island. Thank you, Nicole, so very much. And as always, thank you, listeners. Have a blessed week.
1: Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to to hearing from our our listeners. listeners.